0: Hey welcome to the Horse Hour podcast I'm Amy Frost. Now today we're joined by a really brave lady she's called Sally Bentley and only a week ago she went through a trauma of turning up to her field to find out the stables had been stolen with their horses inside them.
1: At the end of the day someone can come in from somewhere else and completely devastate that and that's the scary thing that you you aren't safe where even when you think you are and you you've chosen a life in what you think is a safe community that doesn't necessarily mean anything anymore does it unfortunately
0: this is horse hour Welcome to the Horse Hour Podcast. Today's episode is quite heart-wrenching. Have you ever spent hours at the yard, in your car, in the cold, watching the horses because you're afraid that there's been a dodgy van down the road and they're going to come and steal the rugs? Or have you been down to your yard and seen that the gate's been open and somebody's tried to let your horses out? It's a fear that we live with on a daily basis. We're paranoid about our horses and somebody stealing them and taking them and, you know, they're part of the family. Well today's guest Sally Bentley went through an even bigger trauma than that. She walked into her field to find that the stables had been taken down around her horses.
1: Sally how are you? Well fine thank you under the circumstances. I mean not brilliant at the moment but uh, um, you know we've had a a rather difficult week in which our um, horse's stables were stolen and my horse ended up in hospital. So it's been an awful week, basically.
0: Bless you. Well, take us back to the beginning and let's just picture so that everybody listening can can really visualise what your place is like. How how many acres do you have?
1: We rent five acres of land from a a local farmer and um, he's absolutely lovely. He's a friend of ours. So we pretty much run our own show. And a year ago, I bought three stables, timber stables, very good quality guaranteed for 10 years at least it, it might be more uh we bought a shed where we could store our feed and everything and the aim being to set ourselves up uh with our own working yard um natasha does eventing, my daughter and uh, also retrains ex-race forces so you know we, we invested quite a lot of money and time into getting ourselves set up
0: mm. It does cost a huge amount of money. I mean, three stables. You're looking at three and a half thousand pounds plus the shed, um, which probably mm. isn't a shed. It's uh, it's mm. quite a fabulous, you know, uh, like an extra stable on the end. And and I've seen a photo of, of the stables that you had, and they are timber. They're beautiful. They're they're new. They're fresh. Um, mm. And and it's only it's only you and Natasha, your daughter. How old's Natasha?
1: She's 23 now. So it's
0: only you and Natasha that are on this yard. Um yes. So are people, you know, it's owned by the farmer. Are people coming and going a lot or is it relatively private?
1: I mean, it's relatively private. There, there are There's another two um, or three acres that are shared by some other people from the village and they have their horses on there. So there is another lady who actually had her field shelter stolen, who's next door to us. Uh, we all get on very well. We're all very vigilant. We all help each other out. And there are also then a a line of houses that are on the main road through the village right at the other end. But my daughter and I, we are sort of furthest away from the village. Mm. Um, But, you know, there is a public footpath and there is access across the fields, but we're very much a small local farming community. And we don't generally get people coming in from outside for for anything in particular
0: well you live in Lincolnshire so you Mm. know it's it's countryside and they used lots of horses so Mm. the the fact that your poor horses were in the stables at the time that these people came and took them down Mm. uh, can you can you talk us through what you saw in
1: the morning when you went down to do your horses well uh, Natasha was first on the scene we take it in turns obviously sometimes she was first on the scene and then she phoned me to say that she just got down to the stables. There was a scene of devastation. She thought, actually, that perhaps a, a light aircraft had actually crashed into the stables because there was so much debris and rubbish and litter all over the place. And she thought because she saw the horses, they'd been corralled into like they they set up a temporary corral with our electric fencing and the horses had been put in there. It looked like someone had actually rescued them as an accident was about to occur. But then on closer inspection, once we got the farmer there, he said, well, well look, if you look carefully, they've left all the roofing and the sky, uh, the little clear plastic skylight. But what they have taken is all the timber from the sides and the main body of the stables, and they've also taken the doors and um, uh, and the metal skids—the most expensive parts of the stables—essentially been taken. But there were screws and litter all over the place, and our horses very, very unsettled in this tiny corralled area. It was just a scene of sheer devastation. So bad, we thought that maybe a light aircraft had crashed. Into the stables. If you can imagine how bad that must look, I, I just, gosh, I just feel for Natasha turning up that
0: morning. I mean, we've all had Mm -hmm. moments where we think your heart is in your stomach, and you think, oh gosh, you can't see your horses. Are they there? Has someone taken them? And to actually turn up and see that devastation, I mean, she just must have been in bits. Bless her. But on Mm -hmm. the, on the, on the, on the, in kind of a good way. At least the horses were out. At least they were corralled. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they. They could have let them go. Um, So I'm just so glad that all your horses were okay and that they were safe. They weren't walking around in that rubble.
1: Well, absolutely. I I don't think they meant to be malicious to the horses. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put them in the field. But the big, big mistake they made is that they, in order to keep the horses distracted, because let's face it, taking down three stables that it took... Um, men two days to put up taking down three stables overnight i don't know how long they were there is a pretty hefty job so they needed to distract the horses because it would be very very loud and obviously they would need to have some lighting up so what they did was they they took three bags of feed the first three bags of feed they could find in our shed and they poured it into the corral area oh no yeah, 20 kilogram bags of feed, and they were all feed that needed either pre-soaking, ran and calm and condition, or a 20 kilogram bag of micronized linseed, of which they're only allowed up to 200 grams <sighs> a day. So as soon as I discovered that, I was by now on the scene. I said, Natasha, we need to ring the vet. This is potentially very, very serious. If These horses have eaten this feed So we immediately phoned our fabulous vet, Harriet Thorpe, from Horman Equine, and she said, I'm coming straight away. This is very, very serious. So now, after seeing all our stables devastated, our concern then immediately switched to our dear horses, Mm -hmm. who, who looked okay but were clearly quite stressed, And um, we started putting them back into their normal fields. And then Harriet came and she came to examine all the horses. And the first one she examined was my horse, uh, Michael, or Magical Lasso is his uh, X-Race name, a five-year-old thoroughbred X-Racer. And she examined his heart rate, which was fine, and took his temperature. But when she went to feel his tummy, he kicked out. And let me tell you, Michael is the sweetest, kindest, most gentle horse in the world he's only five but he's got such a mature head on his shoulder he would never ever do anything like that and i immediately said that's not michael he's clearly sensitive around his tummy she examined the other horses and they seemed okay but she immediately felt that she needed to do something more interventional for michael and she said i think we need to put up a drip and flush out as many toxins as we can from his system So we took him into our friend's stable who got a stable further up nearer the village and she set up a drip and started pushing fluids for Michael then and he didn't seem well. Uh, But after that he seemed to perk up a bit and she said we just need to keep an eye on him for the rest of the day and she would um, do an update with us at four o'clock in the afternoon. But unfortunately, uh, at 4 o'clock, we were, we were backwards and forwards all day and obviously trying to get our heads around everything that had happened. Um, but at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it, it was it's ironic really because we were phoning Harriet and I said, I'm just a little concerned because he keeps stretching a little bit and he's just once or twice sort of almost kicked at his stomach. And then right in front of my eyes, he actually went down in the field. <sighs> I, honest, honestly I feel so emotional now going back to then and thinking about seeing him just go down and lie down right in front of our eyes and she said right he needs to get to hospital as soon as possible and um, she said can you get him there And we said yes fortunately we had tran- we have transport she phoned Oakham Veterinary Hospital and um, I rushed home to get the lorry keys and You know he's such a good lad he was down in the field but you know he so willingly and struggled to get up and we walked him along the drive we got him on the lorry i mean he's such a sweet sweet natured boy and we got him to the hospital and i mean it's amazing there were a team of about five of them waiting for us there to come in we must have got him admitted it must have been by now about six o'clock in the evening because it's at least a good hour's drive down there in the lorry
0: what was that like for you being in the lorry with him knowing that he'd just been on his knees in the field
1: well we were so scared and we had the video we we've got a video camera and Natasha sat in the living just in case he he went down at all and um We had the video camera on the whole time. Natasha's boyfriend came with us because he was really worried about me driving the, the lorry, but I'm the only one insured to drive it. So he came as an extra pair of eyes and concentration for me because I was very, very upset. I'm very worried. Oh gosh,
0: you poor thing. I mean this is traumatic just to have one mm. thing, you know, have just have the sh- the shelter the the stables be stolen. But yeah. then to be so worried about Michael and and and, yeah. and the other horses, you know, back at home as well. There's no mm. one there to then mm. keep an eye on them. Um, what happened when you got to the vets
1: they are amazing as I say there was a team of about five of them waiting there for us and as soon as he got in they literally started fitting a nasogastric tube they they put a twitch on him and they started inserting a tube through his nose and then down into his stomach and they mixed up it looked vile like a tar liquid this black viscous liquid but it was full of um um paraffin charcoal sponge type stuff to absorb any toxins uh, and magnesium and water and we understood from what the vets, I mean, they were amazing, explained everything. Because I, I was thinking purely of colic, but they said, no, there's a risk of septicemia because with that amount of food ingested, the bacteria in the gut can rapidly multiply, reproduce, and then there's a real risk that they can get across into tissues and bloodstream and it becomes a septicemia. Oh the other, I know, i it's incredible. I never even thought about that. I was thinking purely of colic. And then said the other risk is laminitis. When he's ingested so much high calorie food, there is a risk that he will develop laminitis. So they pushed all this stuff in to sort of try and cover every aspect to, to, to try and flush it out for the colic, to try and prevent the bacteria reproducing and and, um, and also to to um, stop the other thing as well the laminitis as well to actually flush out any of the carbohydrate so he wouldn't develop laminitis and he was again so good bless him i mean it was awful seeing this sort of almost two centimeter thick tube being pushed down him mm. he was just so good bless him um you feel once helpless they
0: d- you must feel so helpless that you can't do anything
1: um absolutely mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Just stand and watch it. Oh, well, you know, I kept saying to him, Mummy's here. <laughs> Did you know? Mummy's here, Michael. Mummy's here. And stroking him. Mummy's here. So he knew that I was there with him. And, um, you know, I don't know whether that helped or not, but at least he knew someone who loved him and who was familiar with him you Know, was there, and because he's the sweetest, kindest, dearest horse, he's lovely. Oh, Sally, um,
0: don't you're breaking my heart here!
1: Like, um, I'm so sorry, no, but it no, was awful. Um, I couldn't imagine, I just couldn't imagine it. Where was Tasha? Well, Tasha was there with me, doing the same thing, talking to Michael so that he knew that there was someone familiar around because it was distressing to have the pipe put down i know he was twitched but even so it, it it was distressing to see but i tell you they were amazing they were so so good the team at oakham i'm just so privileged really to have access to such expert veterinary care really because they were talking us through it they were so kind to michael they were so sweet to him so then after that had been done they said they were going to continue administering this fluid intermittently throughout the night um and they would give me an update the next morning and that really there was nothing more we could do and we may as well go back home and even though it was pitch black because obviously we lost all our lighting as well in the in the raid we went down to check on the horses again and make sure that the other two were okay and not showing any more signs of um, distress Mm.
0: and were they were they okay
1: they seemed OK. I was a little bit worried about my older racehorse, Yanzi, who we retired last year. He's 22. He seemed a little subdued, but he, he, he wasn't showing signs of the obvious pain that Michael was in. So we decided that we would check on him again in the morning.
0: Hmm. So, oh my goodness. So when you went home that night um apart from obviously not being able to sleep because you can't sleep mm. after when you're worrying about mm. poor Michael I mean mm. what did the vet say was he going to make it through the night or was there a, a risk that was it how touch and go was it
1: he they said to me they said um we really don't know the situation at the moment we don't know exactly how much he's eaten we just don't know how this colic it is going to develop we we really can't say all we can say is we've done the best to prevent um it getting worse but we just don't know so we will phone you in the night if he deteriorates and and you know you can make a decision on what we do so obviously i didn't sleep knowing that at any moment i might get a call um and um Oh gosh, it's upsetting me going back there now. I do apologize. No, I'm so, um, I'm
0: sorry. And and I'm sorry no. that we're you know, we're asking you to, to relive all this, um, Sally, but we're just so grateful that you're strong enough to talk about it because it is it is it is a horror story. I you know, I I, I saw what had happened to you and it is our worst nightmare, along with the horses being mm. stolen, something like this is, mm. is our worst nightmare. So we're very mm. grateful to you. Thank you.
1: Oh, not at all. And and to be honest, you know, although it, it is emotional going back there and going through it, I I really am happy uh, to talk about it because I want people to be vigilant and aware. I would hate anyone to have to go through this again. Uh, you lock your tack away and you lock your feed up and things, but to think you you might have your stable stolen and then inadvertently your horse's life put in danger, I, I wouldn't want anyone to go through this again. So. Um, Michael the next day, they said had had a comfortable night. Uh he wasn't out of the woods. That's how they phrased it. He's not out of the woods yet, so we're still observing. And they said I could come and visit this was the Saturday now, he went in on the Friday evening and said I could come and visit at three o'clock in on Saturday afternoon. So Oh, that's good. That's good, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is good, but actually when I got there I was really worried about him because he looked so subdued so unhappy was standing in a corner of the stable with the nasogastric tube still fitted he got his little boots on to to prevent or assist in the prevention of laminitis I don't know how they work in some way and he was just shifting from one foot to the other and it might sound silly but I knew he was pleased to see me but he was also saying mum I'm not really well enough for visitors Mm. if that honestly I just I I have this sort of relationship with him where I I feel we both are on the same wavelength and I said to Natasha he's really pleased to see us isn't he but he, he he doesn't want to stay for long he's not feeling well is he and so we stayed with him for about half an hour just talking to him and stroking him and we had a chat with the team who were on call that weekend and they said you know it's just still observing that this is the this period is the critical period they said you know over overnight but tomorrow morning is really the critical period and it could go you know either way we don't know what's going to happen so we left on saturday night again you know very concerned and very worried because he looked so so sad he looked so unhappy and unwell but I knew he was in the best place I knew he was in the best place
0: Oh, didn't you, I, I just want to pop a bed up next to him
1: and stay the night with him, you know, with your sleeping bag. And... <laughs> oh, I know. Wouldn't that have been nice? I don't think we're allowed. I did say, actually, the, on Friday night, are we allowed to stay? I said, because I'll just sleep in the lorry outside. Mm. You know, are we allowed to stay? And they said, no. We and, and I understand that, you know, you couldn't have loads of people camping out, I guess, <laughs> at, at these places, you know. But I, absolutely, I felt just like you. I wanted to stay there. Mm. Um. So then, obviously, another sleepless night, what sort of phone call was I going to get the next morning about Michael? How would he have been, or was I going to get a phone call in the night to say, actually, I'm really sorry, he's deteriorated rapidly? You know, I just didn't know what was going to happen. Um, And I felt almost worse Saturday night because he seemed worse. Um, But then Sunday morning, got a call, and they said he seems much brighter, much brighter, and what we've done, I mean, they are so good there. They said, what we've done is we've taken the boots off. We gave him a walk round and we gave him a, a sort of little trot on a tight circle. And there's no obvious sign of lameness. So we're going to leave those boots off, they said, because we think he's a little uncomfortable in them. What we've done is we've given him a really, really thick bed uh, to support his feet and make him, make him comfortable. And they said, um, if he um, progresses well over the next couple of hours, we're going to take out the nasal, nasogastric gastric tube they said he does seem a lot brighter this morning Brilliant. and then I know couldn't believe it and then later on when they called again they said we think he's turned the corner and we think he's going to be all right and honestly oh, well <laughs> Sally my goodness <laughs> I, know. I know it was just like I don't know it was like the best present ever in your whole life and um yeah so of course we were can we come and see him can we come and see what we, we said they said you come and see him at three o'clock this afternoon because they have to go out on call quite a lot to other emergencies and when we saw him that afternoon he was not 100 percent, but he was back to my michael and he was so pleased to see us again but it was none of this but mom i can't stand visitors for very long he was really pleased to see us he